Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. All right, everyone, wherever you are and however you may be listening, welcome to another edition of the Sports Rivals. For Ernie, I'm Monty. And gang, this week is just so big that we're going to put out for the first time two shows. So we're going to have our regular show that we're recording right now. And then on Tuesday, we're going to release our March Madness special. We're going to break down every game in the first round, tell you who we believe is going to make the final four and ultimately cut down the nets to give you the best opportunity to win your bracket pool. But first, Ernie, let's start with... An extremely busy weekend for University of Hawaii sports. Mm-hmm. So we're going to unpack this in layers. Why don't we start from uh, men's volleyball? So this weekend, you had the top three teams in the nation in Honolulu. Number one, UH. Number two, UCLA. Number three, Penn State. And of course, you had Indiana, Purdue there as well. It was an incredible weekend of volleyball, much to the chagrin of the UH faithful on Friday night. Penn State knocks off Hawaii in four sets. UH bounces back on Saturday with an incredible four-set victory over UCLA in front of a sellout crowd at the Stan Sheriff. So all three teams finish one, I mean two and one. Um, All taking turns beating each other, but Penn State is declared the outrigger winner because of the number of games won and lost. Penn State lost to UCLA in five on the first night, beat UH in four, beat Indiana Fort Wayne, uh, Indiana Purdue in three. So ultimately they had eight wins, eight set wins. UCLA and Hawaii only had seven. So Penn State is the outrigger volleyball champion so what's curious is how is this going to change the polls does penn state go to one does hawaii stay one do they stay one two and three it's going to be it's going to be crazy and ernie this year's final four at the stan sheriff so it could be a prelude these three teams and then long beach state coming into town next week Probably the four teams at this point looking like the favorites to be in the Final Four. But your thoughts on men's volleyball this weekend? It was crazy electric yeah, at the stand show. Yeah, it's kind of disappointing that they, that they were that they lost. You know, and with with uh, especially with uh, you know the streak, uh, this two two year winning streak as far as national championships, national champions are concerned, and the product that they're bringing back uh, in returning players. But it's still the good. The good news is that it's still early in the season. The good news is that all teams lost. The good news is that there are one, two, three other than uh, Purdue, mm-hmm. uh, Fort Wayne, Purdue. So as far as as far as uh, even if you know if if a team lost, in my opinion, if a team lost by uh, like lost two games uh two matches and only won one i don't think they fall very far especially with uh men's volleyball being uh you know in a league that only has what 50 teams or Mm -hmm. if that yeah i mean it was a it was an incredible weekend it would not surprise me 
if if Penn State becomes the new number one team, I don't think it can be UCLA because Hawaii beat UCLA. So I don't see UCLA jumping over Hawaii. But I could see a voter saying, hey, you know what? Penn State beat Hawaii in Hawaii. That's got to count for something. So I actually think this is probably a good thing. Hawaii had won 29 straight games at home. They had won 25 straight overall. They were 17 and all on the year. I think facing some adversity and realizing that, hey, this is not going to be a cakewalk to a third consecutive national championship was probably a good thing. And they rebounded playing much better against UCLA. But even with them playing much better, it was still a nail biter. 29-27, 22 So still anyone's game, but they pull it off. So that is men's volleyball basketball okay let's start with the positive and then we'll spend a little bit of time unpacking the negative the university of hawaii wahine go back to back winning the big west title trailing by 15 points at halftime in the championship game down four starters that are out injured find a way to win the big west tournament and advance to Baton Rouge, where they're the 14th seed, they'll be playing at LSU this week in the first round of the March Madness. But Ernie, let's just unpack. Just, just it's mind-boggling, and I think it's very relevant when we get to the men's discussion. Mm-hmm. Why it their success makes the men's disappointment even more pronounced. Right, right. Because the men, Laura Beeman. Yeah, I mean, Laura, yeah, Laura Beeman, the longtime women's coach. I mean. To me, she just makes a product better than what it is advertised. I think we've seen it this year. We've seen it in years past. I mean, this team, although they were uh, expected to do decent, I don't think a back-to-back, uh, you know, attending the dance was really in, in in regular order. So just the fact that they were able to do it is an achievement in itself. But the way they did it, you know, come back like what, what you said, by as much as 15 points down uh, even the most ardent fan would probably have said at that point okay at least you know they showed well this year and to to do that and come back and to win the WAC title shows a lot of heart oh it absolutely it shows a lot of heart and and not that the men didn't but yeah I'm just gonna say it the men <laughs> well, and I think, and, and I think that's that's where some of the frustration is for. I mean, led by Lily Wahini Kapu. Thank goodness she came back. She was the one starter that stayed healthy. The resiliency shown by this team, and then Phillips making key shot after key shot, actually winning the Big West tournament MVP award six of eight hitting threes down the stretch hitting the game winner and the free throw to give them a 61-59 win the University of Hawaii Wahine did everything the way you're supposed to do it in order to win a tournament they started off slow they played a brutal non-conference schedule they were like two and eight or two and nine at the start of the season they continued to improve as the season went on, even while losing starters. Ended up with the third seed at 13-7 and seven in conference. And then, lo and behold, they take care of business, winning their second consecutive Big West tourney title and advancing into the women's brackets for March Madness. Congratulations yeah, way to, go. to Laura Beeman and the entire Wahine staff. 
Now, All right. Now, what are your thoughts on the other side? Now, let's go and visit the other thing. So, I think there's a lot to unpack here. So, I told Ernie, I was going to, obviously, we're going to talk about the Big West tournament, but on. After they lose on Thursday in the in the quarterfinals, being one and done again, talk radio here in Hawaii was going off the chain on everyone. Any any single station you listen to about how frustrated they were, how Aaron Gannat has got a goal. We should fire the coach. This team is should be much better than it is. Um, and so I think there's a lot, lot to unpack here. First of all, let me be the first to say that I will never advocate for the firing of a coach. Yeah, that's right. As a coach, as coaches ourselves, you do the best that you can, and sometimes you're not going to get the result that you want. And sometimes you may or may not be just outcoached by the other team. So I would never advocate for the firing of Aaron Gannat or anyone else. That being said, I think we have to be honest in our assessment of certain things. And I think the men's disappointing six out of seven years of being one and done in the Big West tournament, not even getting out of the first game, I think is a problem. Now, many people think that in the Big West, because of our facilities, so Ernie, we don't get to say this very often, that our facilities are the standard in the in the conference. But you look at the Stan Sheriff with 10,000 people, when you watch their road games at all of these places, it's like high school gyms mm-hmm. that see three to 4,000 people. We have a legitimate Division One arena, um, but yet we don't dominate like we do on the volleyball side. Even in the women's volleyball, we still dominate. Men's volleyball, we dominate. But in men's basketball, we are struggling. And I think many people view the fact that we did better under Riley Wallace in a much stronger Old WAC and Mountain West than we're doing now in a much lower respected Big West conference. So the feeling, I think, for many in Hawaii is that we should be dominating. And we don't. So the first thing that I want to say that I believe why it's so frustrating is if you just look at the Wahine, they find ways to win games at the end where the men's team found ways to lose games at the end. So not necessarily. So a lot of the proponents, a lot of the defenders will say, hey, you know what? That's not the coach's fault. There are certain things that are the coach's fault, I believe, and there are certain things that are not. Missing wide open shots, I think, is 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 on the kids but there are two things that i think are the coach's responsibility and i do think that the the Aaron Gannat and the coaching staff have to address this the first is the type of offense that they're running they run the shot clock down almost every single play forcing bad shots ernie this is the worst shooting uh team in history that I can remember. And I don't know if it's their fault. I don't know if the kids themselves are the worst shooting team ever, or it's the fact that they run the clock down to the end and they're just throwing up bad shots. Noel Coleman was supposed to be first team all big West. He faded down the stretch. He shot 38% on the year. HEPA, 41%. McClanahan, 41%. Savea, um, uh, Avea, 41 percent 
The only one that shot over 50% was Bernardo De Silva. So, and that's because he's shooting primarily inside, but he's also a 50% free throw shooter. So he can be negated by just fouling him. So I believe that the offense was not playing to the stat, to, to the strengths of the Hawaii team. I think Noel Coleman and his athleticism is better used in space. One of the things that I think we saw is that in high tight, um, half court games, the athleticism of the other teams really made it difficult for Hawaii. Fullerton showed that again. Once you go into a strict half court game, the other team's length make it hard for us. Our speed or lack thereof to turn the corner makes it hard on us. And I think that's a challenge. To me, creating more space, playing at a quicker tempo is probably something that would behoove them. The second point is, and then I'll turn it over to you, the men's basketball team this year lost three home games either in overtime or by one point. All of those games, they had double-digit leads. My problem is Hawaii played too many games this year of one good half and one bad half. That, to me, can be directed to the coach because they're clearly not ready to play. Usually it was the first half, so they're either not ready to play or he can't keep them motivated and and focused in the second half after having a good first half. That's coaching. Part of your job as a coach is to keep track of motivation, making sure your team is both ready physically, mentally, and tactically. And it seemed like mentally they were not ready in Mm -hmm. many games. That's a coaching issue. That has to be addressed. Laura Beeman is completely opposite. And I'm not trying to make this a Laura Beeman versus Aaron Ganat thing, but it's very, it helps right now that they're both going through the same thing with different results. And it's a fair question to ask, why? Why are the Wahine able to have one starter with four starters injured win this tournament and Hawaii with all their players primarily not win one game? So your thoughts? Am I completely off base here? Do, do, I mean, do the people crying for Aaron Ganat to get fired? Does that make sense for UH? What are your initial thoughts? Uh, it's, it's really tough. We'd have to really dig deep, in my opinion. I mean, let, let, let's look at his career early on. I mean, you said seven years ago was the last time that Hawaii went to the big dance. And those were primarily on players that were... That was did, his first year. Yeah, he did not recruit those players. That was the, the old BYU coach that took over Riley Wallace. So he inherited those players... You know, was able to actually turn them around and make that uh, good team that actually made it to the, to the to, uh, to the dance. Yeah, to not only the dance, but they made they made it to yeah, the second. Yeah, they beat Cal and yeah. advanced to the to, to thirty-two. Yeah, to to the to thirty. Ever since that, on the players that he has brought in, uh, we haven't been seeing that much of uh, an improvement. I mean, the players are good. This let's say this year. This year they're expected to do well. You know they were expected. They're preseason number two. Yeah, they're expected to do well, but it never translated into that. And I have a feeling it's because with Riley Wallace, the team took the persona of the head coach and they did it in the game. Okay, that's what they did. They, they took the persona of Riley Wallace. He was a fiery coach, you know, but he shed tears. Everybody knew he loved the team and whatnot. And that's the product, you, that's the product that you saw on the, on the court. I think Aaron Ganot's first year when he made it to the big dance, it was just a matter of, okay, I went from this extreme. 
my coach getting fired because of uh, uh, for whatever reason he was fired, and now we're doing well, so we're riding off of momentum. But now the the teams that he has with all these players are taking on a lackadaisical attitude, in my opinion. And Aaron Donat, it, it's it's hard to see, but from what I've noticed on the sideline, he is not that fiery type of guy. He is not that uh, really get in your face to more like what you say, motivate you to you know take a lead when you have one and put that team away. He's just not that type of person, mm-hmm. at least from what I can see. And it's, it it stems to the players, and they don't have that same attitude. I think they they do well, just like how Aaron Gannat did. He did well with other people's players. Was expected to do well afterwards, but they all they fall fall short. Yeah. Him as a coach, and again, it extends to his players. So what? I think it's uh, I'm unlike you. I think even though he's done well. How long or how many more uh, reiterations of this team does the University of Hawaii have to go through in order to find themselves, especially, like you said, in a conference where they should, as far as, like you said, facilities-wise, be more competitive and still fall, fall short. One and done... Is one and done. Your record shows you what yeah. you are, in my opinion. And I think with the one and done part, I think what makes it hard is, and I think this leads to some of the frustration, is that it's the pattern of mediocrity. The reason why they're one and done is oftentimes we are like we were this year, the four, five, six, seven seed. So really, if you're the five, six, seven seed, you're expected to lose. You're playing a higher seeded team. And that's exactly what we're doing. We haven't been in that one, two, or three seeded in a long time, meaning that we're underdogs from the first game, making it hard on ourselves. Recruiting, you hit that on the head. I think recruiting has to be better. We have to recruit better players. And you hit another thing on the head. And I'm trying to find the most politically correct, non-offensive way to say this because I'm not judging the players necessarily because many of them, I've heard wonderful things about how they're class kids and they're really, really good kids. However, other than Samuta Avea and Jovan McClanahan, the others seem to be too nice. Let's just put it that way. Too nice. Not, they don't have that dog. They don't have that mentality not to get beat. Bernardo De Silva, sometimes he can dominate people. Other times, he's completely missing. He can play soft at times. Um, and same can be true for our two best players, which is Hepa and Coleman. Um, when their other team has a dog on them, they kind of disappear. So I think there's an issue there. Now, is it that Ganat looks for good kids? And there's nothing wrong with looking for good kids. But sometimes you need to find good kids that also have a little bit of dog or have enough dogs to help motivate the others. McClanahan has that dog. He's the only one that'll go down fighting. The problem is he's five foot ten. And when push comes to sub, right. it's very difficult for him to create his own shot because he's five foot ten. So that's something that UH is going to address. Many people are saying it's time to move on. I always am leery of just saying that because I'm not sure if there's a better option right now out there. We did go 22 and 11. We did win 20 plus games. Um, it's 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 a mystery. We lose Hepa. We lose Avea. 
uh, Noel Coleman early in the year said he was going to leave after this year because he graduates in May. He was going to go back to Europe and play there. Maybe things changed after a disappointing close to the season. But who are we going to bring in? And the reality is Matlin's not going to fire Gannat right before he leaves. Right. And the first thing a new AD is going to not want to do is just fire the basketball coach. So I think he's safe for another year at least. I would like him to hear the criticism, though, maybe change up the offense a little bit, create a little bit more space um, to allow us to have success with the people that we have. That running the ball down and, and pass, 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 and having the ban. I don't know if you watch all the time, but having the band continually be like seven, six, five. They're counting down the shot clock on every single possession because we're taking it down to the buzzer every time. That has got to change. So that's my opinion on the men's basketball team. Yes, it was an extremely disappointing end. Yes, I do believe criticism for the coaching staff led by Aaron Gannat is fair. There are fair criticisms that I think need to be heard, need to be addressed, need to be accountable for. I believe he's safe for at least one more year and I'm hopeful that he can turn it around because I think tactically he's sharp. Yeah, Um, I agree with that. I think he's tactically sharp. I think either he's just stubborn and set in his ways or he was trying to cater to what he believed was the best strengths. Either way, it was misguided in my opinion. They lost way too many games down the stretch when they were leading by double digits. And that's just a sign of being outcoached, like it or not. I think he was outcoached in many games this year, and that's a problem. Okay, let me give you a what if. Okay, so with all the players that are leaving, let's say he doesn't bring back the equivalent of those players in the next recruiting class. Uh, and he... and. And let's say next next postseason, again, we're one and done. Is that a time where you think it's time for a change? Well, I, I, yeah, I, you know what? That's a hard question, but that's a fair question. Like if we're if we duplicate this kind of a season where we're twenty two and ten, we go in there and we lose in the first round. Um, maybe, maybe not. If we go twenty seven and six and we're the number one seed and we get upset in the first round. Maybe, maybe not. But if we struggle next year, and and we may, I mean, who's to say who's coming back? I am a little bit leery of the type of recruiter he is or how good of a recruiter he is. Um, But if we go like 10 and 18 or 14 and 20, then I think think, think he's going to be a a goner. I mean, I I do. I think he'll he'll be a goner at that point. Yeah. My my thoughts on top of this is that we should be at the very minimum 20 to 11. I believe we're in that type. I mean, let's just say this. We're not in the ACC. We're not in the Big East. We're not in the Big 12. We're not in the Pac-12. Okay. We are a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. Big fish in small pond don't go one and done seven years yeah six out of seven years yeah yeah i i agree he he has to he has to do a better job there that's for sure and we got to recruit better we should be able to recruit better than anyone else in the big west because the transfer portal is a mystery the two guys that we brought in off the transfer portal didn't even play so they were useless they didn't even help then why would we bring them in? Yeah, why? Then why would we bring them in? But to me, if you have a graduate assistant and you can give them playing time and they can play there last year in Hawaii, 
Why not? Why not? Why not? I mean, that's a great gig for many people. So we got to bring in better players. We got to play better. And the, the kids got to play better, too. We got to coach better. Got to recruit better. We got to play better. Because the men's team has a lot to learn from the Wahine. I agree. I mean, they're resilient. They're tough. They're everything the men were not. Yeah. Resilient, tough, tenacious, gritty champions. Yeah. And that's that's just the honest truth. So we're not trying to be overly critical. For those of you that are overly critical, you may be feeding into this. Um, but we, we do want to be candid in our discussion. So that was a lot on UH basketball. The one other thing that I wanted to uh, go over real quick as we've been talking about it, Ashley Lalee has been added as the eighth member of this search committee. So you get that African-American presence with a lot of local ties, Radford graduate, only number one pick in UH uh, football history, still with local ties, still here. He's a farmer. So he has that Hawaii ties that he serves the African-American. I think it's a great addition because he has a business acumen, the professional acumen, and contacts. So I, I certainly think that this is it. The deadline to apply, at least in the opening process, was this weekend. So if you didn't get your application in, Ernie, you are completely eliminated at this Bye. point in time. Ah, oh, too bad. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I know Kule was worried about getting hers in there uh, as well. So, again, this is Ernie and Monty. We are the sports rivals talking a lot of local sports today because it was such an amazing weekend, both good and bad, for the University of Hawaii. But let's transition now to... The NBA. We'll talk a little bit about, you know what, Ernie, let's save the NBA because you're going to talk a little bit about the NBA and your closing thought okay. as well. Let's talk about the NFL. So a lot has happened this week. I wasn't going to talk about the NFL and then this week happened. So it starts off early this week with the franchise tag deadline and word out of Baltimore that Lamar Jackson was tagged, but with a non-exclusive tag, meaning Anyone can negotiate with him. Anyone can sign him to an offer sheet. Then Baltimore has the right to match it. And if Baltimore decides not to match it, they get two number one picks from this team. The difference is a non-exclusive tender is guarantees Lamar $32 million. An exclusive tender would be $45, $46 million. So there's a significant difference there. So here's my thought, and then I want to turn it over to Ernie for his thought, because this is in the Steelers division. What the Baltimore Ravens are doing here is I think they still want Lamar. I think they're rolling the dice, letting the market set his price. And then if they come back and they don't want to be the villain like the Browns were after the Deshaun Watson thing. Right. They don't want to be that person. So if somebody else signs him to a four year fully guaranteed deal then the Ravens can decide to match it. And they're not the bad guy because they didn't want to lose him for nothing or just two number one picks. He's too valuable to lose for that. So they're letting the market create his market. Right. And then they can swoop in and sign him without being the bad guy. That's what I'm thinking is happening. I still believe no matter what, it's prudent because I would not give him the five years, $275 million yeah. fully guaranteed that he's looking for. He has not played, finished the season the last two years. He's a running quarterback that's not a passing quarterback. He has to prove that he can 
throw the ball consistently because the legs are going to go away or he's going to go away. So I believe the Ravens are doing the right thing here, playing it the right way here. I am curious to see. It was it was curious though, Ernie. Immediately he had like seven teams say, we're not interested, which, <laughs> which a lot of people are saying, okay, that's collusion. I, it, just because you're prudent doesn't mean you're colluding, but it sure smelled like collusion. Although I don't agree with that. Your thoughts on Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I think I think you hit it right on, on the nose. I think Ozzy knew some knew what the, his market value was. I think he, you know, he he called his buddies from the other 31 NFL teams, and he kind of knew that. Yeah, no one's going to be out of their mind, especially with what's happening with Deshaun Watson. And how that contract looks right now in retrospect, uh, for him to get what he's asking for. You're right in regards to the market saying the place. They're betting that it's going to be lowballed and they can come back in, scoop him up at a much cheaper price than what he's going to be getting. And I have a feeling that if it comes out too low, that he might just sit it out. Yeah, and he could. I mean, he could. If if he doesn't get what he's looking for, he could sit it out. But that did not work for Le'Veon Bell. I think that is always a very risky proposition. If you can get what he was initially offered, and you got to think that the Ravens are going to meet him somewhere between 275 and the 133 that they offered him. But if you can get 190 million dollars guaranteed. You don't sit out because there's no guarantee that that money will come again. Do you think he's going to get guaranteed money? I think he's going to get not fully guaranteed. Yeah. But he's going to like I think it's 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 fair for him to to want at least Kyler Murray guaranteed money, which is in that 175 to 190 range. Um but he's not going to get a fully guaranteed five-year contract. Yeah, no he's way. not. I mean and and if he does, then the team that does it is is in my opinion Foolish, yeah. because as good as Lamar Jackson is, he is injury prone. His biggest asset is his legs. We all know that even running backs, you know, only have a short lifespan. So why would a running quarterback right. have a longer lifespan? So I believe the Ravens are playing this right, and they're going to be able to pick and choose how they want to handle this. Do they match it? If it's matchable, if it's a fully guaranteed thing that they decide to match, they're not the bad guys. Whoever signed them to the offer sheet is the bad guy, and the Ravens are just forced to to make a decision there. So I think they're playing it the right way. Yeah, they're playing it the right way, and I and it's going to happen that way. And if it's just too much, if it's just too pricey, they, they got a figure in their head right now, and they, I, they know the number that's out there that they're willing to pay. And I don't think it's going to be enough for Lamar Jackson to stay in Baltimore. I love this situation being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. We've all, I've, I've, I've already seen the demise of the Cleveland Browns. They're going to suffer through Deshaun uh, Watson's contract for the next four years at, at minimum. They, they won't be able to uh, help uh, other positions within the roster because of that contract. I think the Baltimore Ravens know that. They've seen it right in front of their eyes. I don't think they're going to flinch on top of that, that their number is steadfast, and I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to buy into that. So one of two things is going to happen. He's going to sit out or he's gone, in my opinion. I I think that number is too low uh, between the both sides where they're actually going to be, you know, that's going to actually work out for Lamar to stay uh, 
with the Baltimore with, Ravens. With the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, so I think that's wishful thinking by Ernie. I think he wants Tyler Huntley to be the starting quarterback <laughs> for, for the Ravens. Okay, a couple of other things in the NFL. We're still on Aaron Rodgers' watch. Apparently, the Jets and Packers have worked out the agreements of a trade. Now we're just waiting on Aaron Rodgers Ridiculous. like we always are. Ridiculous. About whether or not he wants to play. Now, he has every right to do this, but... The fans in Green Bay already are, are fed up. Pissed. They're fed up because he's holding the Green Bay Packers hostage. hostage yes. Because they really can't do anything because he's on the hook with his salary that they have to figure out exactly what's going to happen before they can make their next steps. At this point, it's safe to say he's not going to be with the Green Bay Packers. It seems like it's retirement. Or the Jets. Yeah. So we'll see. For the Jets fans, they're so excited and hopeful that Aaron Rodgers is going to be their savior. I'm not sure he's the answer with the mentality that he has right now. I'm not sure he has the the will or the want to do um, much for, for, for the Jets. But we'll see. Your yeah. thoughts on, on yeah, Aaron Rodgers? Uh, he's... He's burned a bridge between Green Bay. We we both know that. He knows that. Green Bay knows that. Their fans know that. He's not going back to Green Bay. Like you said, it's going to be retirement or it's going to be with the Jets. So what's what's his decision? He's got to make. He's already went into the dark room. That wasn't enough. He's still not making the decision. <laughs> Tweets from the Jets players have been going rampant in regards to how much they want him. So he is wanted in a place, and he's still taking this long. Uh, it. it it baffles me in regards to because if a guy is contemplating retirement can you imagine now what the Jets are thinking this guy is not motivated to play yeah and I I don't even know why they're that motivated to bring him in like if he's still wavering like this yeah are you saying that one year is all you need from Aaron Rodgers to take you to the promised land I, I just I just don't know if that's what I would do if I was the Jets but then again they are the Jets. Yeah. I want somebody coming in. If we're going to be taking on that contract, uh, you know, whatever composition is combined with that, if there are, is any, I want somebody who wants to be with me. No ifs, ands, or buts. And this shows me that, oh, retirement seems like a good thing right now. Yeah. I don't want to go. And the Jets have a nice young core. And if he goes to the Jets, then he has to be committed to participating in the offseason yeah. like he didn't do last year because he's going to have to get acclimated to their I, systems. Yeah, I, I, at one, you know what, I'm, I'm disappointed because I admired Aaron He was Rogers. my favorite quarterback of all time I, until, and you noticed that a couple of weeks ago I put Kurt Warner back there because Aaron Rodgers the last couple of years has just kind of gone off the deep end. Yes. Here, and it's just a little bit frustrating as a, as a fan of his immense talent. Yep. Okay, two more big trades. We're going to start with the more depressing one and then we'll talk about the more. <laughs> um, the Rams have been purging players. It's, you know, there was always the talk with the F them picks. We're going to go all in. We did. We won a championship. And now we are paying the price for it. And the Rams are making the decision that they're going to have to purge players. We already released Bobby Wagner. We released Leonard Floyd. And today we trade Jalen Ramsey. There have been rumors about Jalen Ramsey's trade. I think the Rams hopefuls were like, oh, we're going to get a haul for him. That did not happen. The Rams get a third round pick, (laughs) the 77th overall, and Hunter Long, a tight end drafted two years ago who has one reception so far in his career for Jalen Ramsey. 
Not only that, but because of when the trade is consummating, which is this week, the Rams only save $5.9 million in salary cap. They have $19 million of dead money attached to Jalen Ramsey for this year. So it is not that much of a savings. It's beginning to look bleak. I got to say, it's beginning to look a little bleak. There's there's murmurings about getting rid of Stafford, that maybe his arm is still not not ready. He might be released as well to, to get out of the $59 million in dead cap money for the next two years. Oh, my goodness. Thank Boy. goodness we won the title two yeah, years ago. But we knew that at some point you had to pay the price. Now, to the Rams credit they try to facilitate trades when they have to do things to people that they value to what they want and Jalen wanted to go to Miami he's been asking for the last month if you're going to trade me trade me to Miami so maybe we could have got a slightly better haul than a third round pick but to accommodate his request we went ahead and did that from Miami's perspective you add Jalen Ramsey to Xavier Howard Jalen Phillips Bradley Chubb, man. What a haul. They are going all in. They also picked up Tua's option. So Tua is safe for this year and next year. So they are committed to Tua for at least the next two years. Man, those practices are going to be out of this world with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill against Jalen Ramsey and Xavier <laughs> Howard. It's going to be a lot of woo. A lot of chattering on that practice field. Brilliant trade for Miami. It is what it is for the Rams. We got a third round pick. And that's why Aaron Rodgers is contemplating retirement because that's in their division. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's bad news for everyone. Buffalo Bills and everyone else in the AFC East and the AFC. I mean, but again, that big caveat, especially for us Hawaii people, can Tua stay healthy? Because at the end of the day, he has to stay healthy for them to get to the level that they're capable of getting. If he gets hurt again, Teddy Bridgewater is not going to take him to the promised land. It's yeah. just not, he's not going to beat Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, or Kenny Pickett. Yeah, you never know. They might, they, might, they might make a deal for Garoppolo. Who knows? I mean, they've got to be running out of money, too. I mean, they're playing by the Rams rules now. It's like everybody's <laughs> making $30 million there. At some, some point, True. they got to pay the piper True. like the Rams did. So my Rams look like they are descending uh, in a quick way with lead on their, <laughs> on their legs. Um, but earlier this week, big news out of Chicago. So the Bears in Carolina with a blockbuster trade. I think the Bears did extremely well in this case. Carolina sends the number nine pick to Chicago for the number one pick. In addition, Carolina gives up their number one receiver, DJ Moore, their number one pick next year, their number two pick this year, and their number two pick two years from now. All of that to move from nine to one. So the Bears now are going to be sitting at nine. They've acquired a another quality wide receiver to go with Mooney with the hope that Claypool will play like Claypool is capable of playing. They have Cole Komet at tight end. Now at that nine spot, they can focus on the offensive line. They have two running backs. Um, I really like what the Bears got from here. Oh, they got a steal. From the Carolina perspective, who do they want? 
did they give up all those assets to go to one to get Bryce Young? It's not going to be Bryce. Is it C.J. Stroud? It's got to be Stroud. Or there's a lot of bud that it's the it's the the spectacular Anthony Richardson from the combine that they're going to go up for. That would be a colossal risk, in my opinion, to give up those assets for any one of them. For Anthony Richardson. Oh yeah, for any one of for them. But they're got, they have to take one of them. I'm guessing the most safe one is probably CJ Stroud, but obviously somebody impressed Frank Wright and the Carolina Brass at the combine enough for them to unload all of those uh, assets to move from 9 to 1. I don't get it from Carolina's perspective because I don't think any one of these three are the answer. I love it for Kule Agbayani and her Chicago Bears. <laughs> She's got to be ecstatic. Oh, that's a haul. That's a haul. I do not, there is not anyone right now who I would think would warrant that type of uh, that type of package to get what a five ten Bryce Young, uh, really an unproven. And, and, and let's, let's go with the lineage. Ohio State quarterbacks haven't been lighting up the NFL ever. Okay, so as good as C.J. Stroud's potential can be, there's been a number of Ohio State quarterbacks that have proven otherwise. And so, and it's, it, and it, and it's, it's not going to be the, the, the phenom in Williams. There's, there's, there's no way. You don't Richardson. give up. You, oh, Rich, I'm sorry, Richard. Yeah, yeah. You, don't, I, I you, just, you do not give up that type of haul in order to get, you know, potential. I mean, I completely agree. I mean, I, I think I think the Bears did an amazing job, which is why they made this trade so early. I mean, usually you don't get these trades almost two full months before the draft right, or six, right. seven weeks before the draft, but it was too much for them to pass up on. So they went ahead and did that. Kool-Aid. Great deal by your Chicago Bears. Speaking of Kool-Aid and Allen, we are a part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. They are Wake Up in the Den, Kool-Aid show, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. till 9 a.m. on 760 a.m. and 95.1 FM. That's Ernie, I'm Monty. So let's quickly go to the NBA. Not a lot to discuss. Luka Doncic, his thigh injury, not as bad as expected. He has missed a couple of games at least. Kevin Durant, the guy is cursed. Yep. Just going up for a layup hurts his ankle. He's out for three weeks. He could be out for the rest of the regular season or close to that. Um, I think those are the two things that make the most difference. Your Celtics didn't seem like they played a lot a lot this week. My Lakers just lost to the Knicks. A killer loss. They could have moved us into a tie for 7th. Instead, we slipped back into a tie for 10th. Um, but with less than 15 games left, D'Angelo Russell has come back with a vengeance. I still like this Laker team. But that one, that loss to the Knicks really stung tonight. Your thoughts on the NBA? Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's only 15 games, so there's... Only so much jockeying you can really do. I think the most uh, notable one where you can see a lot of uh, movement is going to be in the uh, you know in, in spots four through even the play-in game, uh, the play-in team number ten, in order to get the uh, you know positioning over there. The difference between number five, currently LA Clippers, 
to the number 10 Utah Jazz is, is, is only a game and a half. I mean, two and a half games. So it's 15 games left. I mean, there's still movement to be there. To me, the Denver Nuggets, even though they're on a three-game losing streak, no one's going to catch them. They, they have a five-game lead over Sacramento and Memphis. Memphis gave up the number two spot, and they're without John Morant for the foreseeable future. Like you mentioned, the Phoenix Suns have lost Durant, in my opinion, for the entire season. I don't think we see him until the playoff starts. Coming off the east side, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, continue to play very well. Uh, their most recent loss was to the Warriors, uh, but that was without Giannis playing, and it took a miraculous comeback by one Steph Curry. I mean, a miraculous comeback by Steph Curry in order for them to inch out that victory. But they've been playing well. The 76ers uh, continue to play well. My Boston Celtics uh, went on a three-game losing streak. They've won the last two. Uh, Within that three-game losing streak, they've led by double digits in every single one of them, needing two free throws to win one against Cleveland, lost a 28-point lead against the Nets in the first quarter to blow that one. So, uh, you know, that happens. I mean, when when, when you're you're first in, in the... At your position for most of the NBA season, you kind of tend to be lackadaisical at the end, you know, towards the end. And I think that's pretty much what happened. It's it's not like they, uh, let's just say this: they should have won all three games. They barely lost all three of them. I think those. the Nuggets are kind of going through that now. They've not lost three games in a row, some tight ones. I, I think you get a little bit lackadaisical because you think like yeah. you've got everything secured. Yeah. Um, but the Celtics have something to fight for. They definitely want to get back into that number one spot and avoid playing both the Sixers and uh, and the Bucks. I think that's that that's to me, I think that's key. Although the Knicks are playing really well and so are the Cavs. So, whew. What a killer loss for the Lakers. They were playing so well. But again, we'll talk more NBA next week. There is so much to talk about with UH Sports. And before I turn it over to Ernie's closing thought, we didn't get to talk a lot about it today. We're going to talk a lot more about it next week. But the World Baseball Classic is generating buzz across the world. Right now, Mexico, Mexico is walloping the United My States 7-1 to one in the seventh inning. Um, the Dominican Republic, with all of their superstars, they lost last night. Puerto Rico rolled last night. They lose today to Venezuela. Um, Japan is rolling so far, but Japan's pool out there in the Orient is pretty easy. A um, lot more World Baseball Classic next week on the Sports Rivals. But Ernie, where are you going with your closing thought? Well, I'm going to go based upon what you just recently said in regards to getting that number one spot uh, in the NBA. In my opinion, uh, it is important in regards to... Uh, the easiness as far as uh, you know getting to the NBA finals but in my opinion it, it it's really it's not like the NCAA you know where in March Madness you the number one seed has won like 85% of the time uh, in the NBA uh, the number one seed has done exactly the the opposite I mean j- just your last two champions alone would 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 say that with the Golden State Warriors, I believe they were number three, and the Milwaukee Bucks, I believe they were number two uh, when they won uh, that. Uh, the Boston Celtics were number two last season. They represented the East. So, in my opinion, uh, especially with the way the parity is uh, in the West, 
and with the parity it is in regards to the top three teams in the Eastern Conference, that the number one seed is wanted, but really not necessary uh, in in order for my at least from my perspective for the Boston Celtics to reach the NBA Finals. Yes, they'll have to probably uh, if they hold on to the two uh, seed, they'll have to go through. Philadelphia and Milwaukee to hit that. Uh, Boston Celtics have really and uh, Miami maybe at the two seven game. Uh, maybe, but I'm, uh, again after Philadelphia, I don't think the Boston. I, I I'd be surprised if what six games with any of those teams, uh, four through ten. In in my opinion, uh, the talent level in the East resides within one. Two and three. To me, it's more a matter of health. Health is more important than seating, in my opinion. You have Giannis right now trying to get back into order. Middleton has never uh, regained his old form. In fact, he's still coming off the bench in something. He had a great game the other the other night, but he's not the same Middleton. The Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, you let's just say this: they play better during the regular season. Uh, than in the postseason, especially with Harden in there. Harden uh, has a long history in the playoffs of not showing up. So uh, if the Boston Celtics, right now they're one and a half games out of first place. They still play the Bucks on the 30th of March. And really, other than this road trip that they're going on through now, uh, their strength of schedule has to be the easiest of those three teams. Oh, I think the Bucks probably agree with you. I remember last year, right? The Bucks had a chance. It was like the Celtics versus the Bucks at the end of the season. The Bucks just sat all their players, just yeah. gave the home field yeah, they didn't home want court the, advantage. They didn't want the Nets. To, to, yeah, yeah. To, to Boston. So Ernie thinks it doesn't matter. I think in the East it does matter, but it's all about matchups. It really is. Matchups are more important than home court advantage. Yeah. And, and I think... Ernie could be right. I think Boston matches up well with many teams. Philadelphia hasn't proven that they can win in the playoffs yet. The Bucks, they're the they're the ones, but they're the ones that have all these injuries, injuries. including their two best players. So Giannis has to be healthy for the Bucks to have a chance. Without Giannis healthy, it would be a big problem for them. But that's the world of the NBA. We are down the stretch. We are now about a month three to four weeks away from the playoffs hopefully yep. the lakers will be participating they will. in the playoffs in some way shape or form hopefully lebron will be healthy enough to contribute i like this laker team i hope they can keep this team intact next year um because i think if they had a whole year together the balance of youth defense they're the number one defensive team since the trade happened i think this team has the possibility of making noise over a full season but getting it done this year with LeBron out, that's going to be a challenge. Wow, Ernie, what a week. And gang, this is only the first show of the week. Can you see why we have to do our own March Madness <laughs> show? So don't forget, this show gets released Monday. Our March Madness bracket breakdown final four cut down the net prediction so you win your bracket. That will be released on Tuesday, a full show breaking down every region, every first round game for you to make your picks. Again, we appreciate being a part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We like to extend our gratitude to them for allowing us to be a part of their team. 
Don't forget, they carry OIE sports. They carry Clipper basketball, which is a problem for me, but that's okay. <laughs> the Cowboys, USC sports, HPU sports, and much, much more. The Hawaii Sports Radio Network is on fire, spearheaded by Kule Agbayani, the only female host of a talk show here in Hawaii. So congratulations, Kule, and everyone at the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Ernie, we let Aaron Ganat and the UH men's basketball team have it. I thought we were honest. I thought we were candid. I thought we were objective. We also could not gush enough about Laura Beeman and her wahine and winning back-to-back championships. Congratulations to the women in Manoa. Good luck at LSU later this week. But even if you go one and done at LSU, have some gumbo for me because, man, <laughs> you're in God's country when it comes to food down there in the bayou. Ernie, anything else you want to go over? Hey, in regards to March Madness, do we have a bracket out there? Oh, yes, we do. Okay, so that's a good thing for reminding us. On the ESPN.com bracket challenge, join group, put Sports Rivals Podcast. So click on join group. Search Sports Rivals Podcast. That is our bracket out there on the ESPN network. We're hoping to get 500 to 1,000 participants. So share that with everyone. See if you can beat Ernie. See if you can beat me. We'll tell you tomorrow who our picks are. But again, that's ESPN.com, the bracket challenge. Search Join Group Sports Rivals Podcast and join our bracket. Whether you've done another or not, join ours as well. We'd appreciate that. What a day. What a day. What a show. (laughs) Until tomorrow, the sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. Yeah.